Hey everyone, and welcome to the Messages Podcast of Northview Church. We are so glad you're joining us for today's message. At Northview, we're all about connecting people with God and connecting people with people. We would love for you to come and check us out in person. You can find campus locations and information at northviewchurch.us. We hope you enjoy the message. Oh man, how do you follow that? Well, hello Northview. It is so good to see you. And uh, Northview is one church in multiple locations. And if you don't have a church home, we'd love to have you at Northview. It's so good to have those of you who are in the room and those of you who are watching online. Well, my name's Andy Stevenson, and I'm the Carmel Campus Pastor. And as I told you last time I spoke, my name is not Steve, because typically there's a Steve that's up here speaking. Our senior pastor, Steve Poe, our teaching pastor, Steve Arterburn, and our guest teaching pastor, Steve Carter. But my last name, as I told you last time, is Stephen Son, and so I think they gave me a pass again to jump in here. Well, hey, I'm so excited to finish out this Running with the Giant series. Hasn't Pastor Steve done an amazing job? I mean, I have learned so much as he's taught. And I think that Pastor Steve wanted to make sure that the campus pastors didn't mess it up. And so he gave us a giant we could find a lot of information on. He gave us the greatest giant of all time, and that's Jesus. And I look forward to talking about the greatest champion, the greatest winner of all time today. Our theme verse for this whole series has been found in Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us run is where we jump in and we, the series Running with the Giants was born. But in verse two, it says this, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so what we're gonna do today is we're gonna fix our eyes on Jesus as we run this journey with him. And as you leave here today, I hope a winner by applying Jesus's winning principles. Well, today is Super Bowl Sunday. And when I was preparing this message, the Colts were still in the playoff hunt. Well, as we all know, they're not in the hunt anymore. But praise God, we're not talking about the New England Patriots this year, right? (laughs) Sorry, Patriots fans. Well, I love to win. And I, when I was younger, I was extremely competitive. I was like over the top. And so I have, I wanted to win at all sports, everything. I wouldn't let anybody win if I had a chance at it. And I have a sister who's 11 years younger than I am. And so picture this. You have me, this 20-year-old college student on the basketball court with my nine-year-old sister, who's short in stature already, blocking her shot. I mean, I was like over the top. Thank God that he's tempered me some and I let my young girls win now, but I love to win. What about you guys? How many of you guys like to win? Yeah. I think a lot of us like to win. The thrill, the feeling of adrenaline when we win, whether it's us playing a game or our team, We like to win. And it got me thinking back to some experiences and some emotion 
some emotions I've had when it comes to winning. Now, many of you know that I'm from Texas and I'm a huge Dallas Cowboy fan. And um, years ago, when they used to be good, which I know is a long time ago, um, I lived in Dallas. And when the Cowboys were good, it was hard to get tickets. And I remember my first Dallas Cowboy game and we got tickets, it was hard to get. And so we were like at almost the top of the stadium, um, way, way, way high in one of the top rows, the nosebleed section. And it was in Texas Stadium, they'll show you a picture here, uh, the one that had the hole in the roof. If you remember those days, uh, Texans would say it's because God wanted to watch his favorite team. And I was thinking about that this week, and uh, I found out why the Cowboys don't win anymore, because now we're in a dome stadium, and uh, God can't watch his team anymore. But here we are, it's Thanksgiving Day, and we're way high, and it's very unusual weather for Texas. Snow, ice, and so the majority of the field has snow and ice on it, and we're playing the Miami Dolphins. And so my brother who's with me is a huge Dallas Cowboy fan. I mean, so much that he named his son, no lie, Dallas. And uh, so we're there and it's toward the end of the game and Miami, the Miami Dolphins are about to kick a field goal. And if they kick this field goal, then it looks like they're gonna win the game. And so here we are way up high in the stadium, Miami kicks the ball and the Cowboys blocked it. I mean, we went crazy. We're high-fiving everybody. My brother's like hugging this lady behind him. He doesn't even know. I mean, we thought we had won the game. It was like an incredible rush of emotion and adrenaline. And then all of a sudden, the stadium got quiet. Well, we were so high up, it took a while for things to get to us, uh, a little bit to know what happened. But what happened is a Dallas Cowboy player ended up touching the ball Miami ended up recovering and scoring and winning the game. It was one of the highest highs and one of the lowest lows in the shortest amount of time, talking about winning that I've ever experienced. It was crazy. Winning's a rush, and it brings with it a lot of emotion. Winning can give us a sense that we're in control. It can give us a sense that we're the best at something, that we're better than someone else. And if we're not careful, it can even give us a sense of superiority. And I bet, if we're honest, we're a lot alike. We like to win. Not many of us like to lose on purpose. As Americans, we love to win. Take the Olympics, for example. Most of us, many times, don't even know what all the sports are. Like, how many of you know what skeleton, the sport of skeleton is in the Winter Olympics? Well, Mark, there's two, three or four of you. Yeah, it's, the skeleton is like this person going down head first on a small sled down this frozen track. It doesn't matter if we know what the sport is, we want to win. And today on Super Bowl Sunday, there's gonna be a winner and there's gonna be a loser. And the majority of us will forget who played today second place in just a few months. But we will remember typically the champion and we don't just like our teams to win, we like to win as individuals. And 2020 was a year that the majority of people were trying to win, but in reality, a lot of people were losing. There seemed to be arguments over everything. There were these intense political debates that still are going on. Intense debates about COVID-19. Intense debates 
about racial issues. And the list goes on and on. And everyone seemed to have this opinion and dig in with their opinion in the shrapnel of fractured relationships were everywhere. It breaks my heart to think of how many families and friends and churches were divided over these issues. You know, many times we try to win but really end up losing. We try to win at things that really don't matter in the end. For some of us, it's maybe trying to get that next promotion or that bigger house, nicer car. Maybe it's trying to get more money in our bank account. I'm not saying those things are necessarily wrong. But when they become the focus and our priority, then what we thought was a win, typically at the end of our life, becomes a loss. You know, I've never been in the hospital room and stood beside someone who's dying and ever had anybody say to me, I wish I'd have worked more hours. Or, I wish I'd have had more money in my bank account. Nobody. You know what most people say? I wish I'd have spent more time with my family. Or I wish I would have put God first. And when Jesus came to earth, he turned upside down what winning truly in life is about. He completely overhauled what it meant to win. And in Jesus's day, just like today, the Jews wanted to win. People in that time wanted to win. You see, Jesus came at a time where the Romans had won. They had conquered the Jews. They dictated the laws. They ended up dictating the taxes. They dictated their everyday experience. And what they dreamed of was this hero, this hero who would come and deliver them from this oppression. But you know what they got? They got a servant leader who came, who died a death on the cross to defeat death so that we could have new life. Jesus, the greatest champion of all time, was redefining what winning really is. And Jesus's view of winning was based on humility, not control. It was based on service, not being served. Instead of trying to be superior, Jesus came to serve others and put others first. And he turned what most of us believe winning really is upside down. Really, Jesus's way of winning is counterintuitive to what most of us have learned about what it means to win. I love to study great players who have won or leaders. And whether you like the person playing tomorrow or not, I will not mention his name, he has been in 10 different Super Bowls. Pretty impressive. But to study a person who's the greatest champion, the greatest winner of all time, the person who split time in half from BC to AD, the person who impacted this world more than anyone else who, who walked this planet, that's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna go back to the basics. And I'm gonna help you discover what it means to win by studying the winning lessons of the greatest champion of all time. You know, legend has it that the great Green Bay Packers coach, Vince Lombardi, at the start of every season, used to hold a football. And he'd had these great players in the room, many of them been playing since they were little kids. The greatest football players, many of them on the planet. And at the first of the season, legend has it that he would hold up a football and he'd say, gentlemen, this is a football. Those guys knew what a football was, but he was getting them back to the basics. 
Back to what it's all about. And that's what I wanna do today is to help us get back to the basics. The basics of what it means to win in life. Learning what it means to follow Jesus' principles. And so today, my hope is this. That by you understanding and being able to live out the three characteristics, the basics that Jesus lived, the greatest champion of all time, you can leave here a winner. And so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna look at some scripture in Mark chapter 10, and I wanna kind of give you this backdrop of Mark 10. You can turn there and get ready because we're gonna read there in just a moment. In Mark chapter 10, there's some incredible things that happen. One is Jesus is having this conversation and he's having this conversation with a guy who can't give up his focus on getting more possessions than on what's most important. And then we transition in that chapter also to where Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he's having this intense emotional conversation. It's this conversation where he's predicting his agonizing death through crucifixion, one of the most grueling deaths that could happen. It's the third time, actually, that he's told his disciples about this. Just imagine with me, Jesus sitting around a campfire with his disciples, the 12 disciples, most of them probably not the most emotional guys. You got four fishermen who are kind of hardcore. You got a radical political activist in that group. You got a hated tax collector in that group. And you got these guys that are sitting around and Jesus is pouring out his heart He's talking about what's gonna happen to him, how he's gonna die, and how he's gonna give up his life so that we could have life. And then directly after Jesus has this intense emotional talk, directly after that, we pick up the scripture in Mark chapter 10, verse 35, and we're gonna read it here. And this is what, we pick up this conversation with James and John, two of the disciples. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left, in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink? Or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Isn't it just like a bunch of guys, women, you'll probably agree with this, that after this gut-wrenching emotional talk, they jump quickly to this conversation about how they can be number one. And before we get too judgmental, I was thinking about that this week. Isn't it like us sometimes? We jockey for control oftentimes in our homes, husbands and wives. Maybe we jockey to get ahead at work, depending on whatever we have to do to get to the top. 
And in verse 41, as you saw, the other 10 disciples, they get angry when they hear about what James and John asked for. You know why? Because they wanted to be number one too. We all wanna be first. And we always lose if we try to jockey ourselves into first place. Sure, we may feel like we win for a while, but we always lose in the end. And Jesus came to help us understand what it really means to win. And leaving today with the three characteristics I believe that Jesus gave us as the basics, I believe you can leave here a winner by understanding that and, leave, and living those out. So I wanna start with the first one, and it's really a paradox. Because in order to win, we have to surrender. We have to surrender our lives to Christ. You know, you cannot win like Jesus and truly win in life unless you surrender your own will to be in control of your life. I wanna read that again. You cannot win like Jesus and truly win in life unless you surrender your own will to be in control of your life. Jesus modeled this in Luke chapter 22. It says this, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. You see, Jesus surrendered his own will to God's will to die on the cross for us so that he could defeat death and we could have new life. You know, we have to wave the white flag and surrender. We have to say, God, you're in control. I'm not in control. I don't know about you guys, but I like to be in control. I'm a big planner, a big strategist. I like to know what's gonna happen. One time my wife sent me on a surprise trip. It was terrible. Um, <laughs> I loved what happened at the end, but the anxiousness of what was gonna happen, I was like, oh my goodness. I love to know what's gonna happen, but you know what? I found that if I don't surrender my life to God, usually what I have tried to plan usually doesn't work out. And it also takes a lot of pressure off of me when I let God be in control. And if 2020, Hasn't been a year where you've realized that none of us are in control? God is the one who we need to give control and surrender to. And you can't win in life unless you surrender your life to Christ. You know, you may try to win and you may think you're winning for a while. You may have all the stuff you believe will bring you happiness. But eventually, there'll be a day where what you were focused on to win often feels like a loss. So many tragic stories I have known about broken marriages, kids estranged, health issues, damaged relationships because we focused on the wrong things. And without God as the focus of your life, it's really like trying to play football. Trying to play football without a football, it's the basic ingredient. And surrendering to God is the basic ingredient of winning in life. Surrender your life to Christ is the first winning characteristic we learn. And the second is this, is to serve. Jesus came and taught us what it really means to look out for those around us instead of always looking out for number one. You know, we've been taught, it's a dog eat dog world, look out for number one. And Jesus turns that upside down and teaches us that we should be more concerned about others and how we can help them than how they can help us. 
Now, I was doing some introspection as I was preparing this message. And if I was really, truly got honest, which I wanna be with you, this is a hard one for me. You know, usually when a decision is made, you know what my first response is? How does this affect me? Instead of it being a secondary response, in my first response, how does it affect others? Instead of trying to be superior, Jesus came not looking out for himself, but he came to serve others. And often you find him kind of hanging out with these outcasts of society. You know, this is what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples back in the scripture we read earlier, Mark chapter 10, verse 42 through 45. Jesus called them together and said, I wanna read this again for you. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials, exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The disciples saw this being lived out right in front of them. In the Roman day, the Roman hierarchy, they saw all that rank. But Jesus was flipping this upside down. He was saying, no matter where you come from, no matter your education level, no matter how much money you have, no matter your skin tone, no matter what you look like, all people are equal and all people should be served. And instead of coming to serve or to be served, Jesus came to serve and he often hung out with those on the fringes of society. Some of the most impactful people I've ever known have service as a part of their DNA. I remember when I was in college, I went with my dad to the hospital to visit a man who was dying of cancer. I was a young guy then, and I remember walking into the, excuse me, walking into that room, and I remember the, the man who was dying, and you know what he did? He was asking me questions about my life, and he, he was really focused on me, and it just took me aback, because here's a guy who like was in these dire circumstances, but because he had such a, a DNA of service in his life. He was more concerned about other people than his situation. I left that room. It was a powerful moment for me as a young man. I left that room thinking, wow, what an incredible DNA of service. What if we became more focused on giving instead of getting? What if we became more focused on kingdom impact than what we can acquire or what we can hoard here on earth. And Jesus focused on investing in things that mattered most. You see, service involves our time, it involves our attitude, it involves our finances, and it involves our posture. Becoming a person who's more focused on others and what we can give to them than what we can get from them. And Jesus's way was always done with a posture of service and love. And I wanna to talk to us just a moment about this a little bit because in these divisive times, this posture and position thing, I think we've gotten confused. You see, in the church, I feel like we've gotten, you can, here's what I wanna say. I wanna make sure you understand the statement. We can stand for truth and still have a posture of love and service. And I think what has happened oftentimes in the church is we've confused our position, what we believe to be the truth, and our posture, 
how we interact and love others, and we've mixed those up because we've been so bent on stating our position, what we believe, that oftentimes we've left out love and our posture to those who disagree with us. And when people can't see a posture of love in service, they don't hear what we have to say. Jesus was an incredible example of sticking for truth with a posture of service and love. You can read throughout scripture where he interacted with people daily who their lifestyles were against everything he knew to be the truth, but he always interacted with them with a posture of love and service so they could see and hear the truth. To be a winner, you have to surrender. To be a winner, you have to serve. And the third winning characteristic that Jesus models for us is to be selfless. You know, Jesus' view of winning was based on humility, not control. It was based on thinking of others better than ourselves. Philippians 2 says this, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. It's a great, this is a great scripture. If, if you memorize scripture, I encourage you to memorize this one. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as someone, something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Jesus, who was God, came to earth not as a king, but as a humble carpenter. And Jesus taught us that humility rather than pride was always the sign of a true winner. You know, whenever we feel like we've arrived or that we're on a different level than someone else, we're in dangerous, dangerous territory. And I've seen it in the church so many times where people maybe have had an experience or an encounter with God. Maybe they've gained some more knowledge about God and they feel like they're on a different plane or a different level than those who maybe haven't experienced the same way or encountered the same way. I just wanna be really clear here that God's no respecter of persons and that we can learn from every one of us God has something to teach us through each other. You know, often some of the most spiritual and most powerful spiritual lessons I've ever learned haven't come from popular Christian speakers. Now, Pastor Steve, if you're watching this right now, I have learned a lot from you. <laughs> but you know where I've learned a lot of my lessons? From some of the poorest people on some of the poorest places on this planet. I learned what it really means to have true joy in the country of Guatemala, in the rural villages. In the slums of Africa, I learned what it means to really trust God. I learned from pastors in China what it really means to be courageous and have faith. Some people who have very little in possessions but understood and understand what it really means to win in life. Jesus gave us the game plan. Surrender, serve, be selfless. 
the basics. And so I wanna ask you a question and I want you to ponder it. Are you truly winning in life? What legacy will you leave? Are you more focused on a big house, nice cars, money in your bank account? Are you focused on kingdom impact and what really matters? Will you leave a legacy fully surrendered to God? Will you leave a legacy of serving others? Will others remember you as a selfless person who put God first? What areas are God, is, God cha- is God challenging you in? Well, I want us to dream a little bit together. I was thinking about this, it excited me. What if we, the people of Northview, what if we became a people who lived surrendered lives, lives of service, lives where we put people, selfless lives where we put people above ourselves? What would happen? What would happen if we surrendered to God daily? What would happen if we thought about others before we thought about ourselves? You know what would happen? Our neighborhoods, things would start to happen. People would ask, what's different about us? In our communities, people would start to ask questions and the life-changing message of Christ could help transform lives. Families, neighborhoods, cities, communities would be changed. Why? Because us, a people that were surrendered, serving, selfless, focused on God. And so I wanna ask a question today as I close and move into a section of some introspection where I want you to think about some things. And the question I would ask to start with is, do you wanna win today? And I wanna give you a chance to win. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, if you've never asked Christ into your life to be the Lord and leader of your life, to direct your life, to wave the white flag, to surrender control, to quit trying to be in control of your own life, I wanna give you that chance. Because unless you take the first step of surrendering your life to Him, you'll never win in life, and you'll never win in eternity. And so I'm gonna ask everyone to please bow your heads and close your eyes. If you've never invited Christ into your life, I wanna give you that opportunity today. I'm not gonna ask you to stand. I'm not gonna ask you to come to the front. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you'd like me to pray for you, and you're like, I want to win in life. I've never asked Christ into my life. I wanna surrender. I wanna give him control. I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. I'm just gonna ask you with everyone with your eyes closed, If you'll just look at me and raise your hand. I'm gonna recognize your hand. You can put it right back down. At the end, I'll say a prayer for you. If you wanna surrender your life, just simply raise your hand, put it right up. I'll recognize it. See in the back, you can put that down. See over here to the left, you can put that down. Anyone in the balcony? It's kind of dark up there. See over here on the left, you can put that down. 
My ushers can, if our ushers can help us in the balcony, see in the back, in the balcony, you can put that down. Anyone else? We're not gonna prolong this out. Today's the day of salvation. You've been trying to do it on your own. You're like, God, I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. I see you in the back. You can put that down in the balcony. Anyone else? One more chance on the floor. One more chance in the balcony. If everybody with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, except the five that raised your hand, if you'll look at me, and if you're online and you wanna ask Christ into your life for the first time, I wanna say a prayer for you. And I want you to silently repeat this prayer after me. It'll be the most important prayer that you ever pray. And so as I say this prayer, you can just silently repeat this. Jesus, I wanna invite you to be Lord and leader of my life. I acknowledge that you're the son of God and believe you died for me and rose again so that I could have a new life. I ask forgiveness for my sins. I wanna surrender my life to you and let you be in control. Please come into my heart and be the leader of my life. Amen. Everyone can look up. You know, if you were one of those five that said that prayer, it's the most, most important thing that you'll ever do in your life. You know, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, the new life has come. And so spiritually, that means the old life is gone when you ask Christ into your life. You have a new spiritual life. And we wanna give you a gift today. I'm gonna to tell you about that just a little bit later. But before we end today, I wanna to give us all a chance to make some decisions. You know, I believe that God has something for all of us. And so I, sometimes, I truly believe that recognizing that and acknowledging that is important. And so I want everyone again to close your eyes and bow your head. And I'm gonna ask you some questions in the three areas that we just talked about. Because I believe that some of us need to reprioritize, refocus, recommit in areas of maybe surrender, maybe service, or maybe selflessness. I wanna ask you a question. What do you need to surrender? You've asked Jesus into your life but you've kind of been out of focus a little bit. And some of you may need to surrender some areas or things in your life you've been holding on to. For some, you may be holding on to bitterness, unforgiveness, jealousy, maybe some burdens you've been carrying. For some, it could be giving up some dreams you've been holding on to, to maybe try to control your life and your future. If you need to surrender something in your life, I just want you to slip your hand up, slip it right back down. Who needs to surrender? Yeah, hands all over. Just put it right back down. Another question for some of you, who or where do you need to serve? Do you need to shift from taking to serving? Shift your focus from getting to giving? Do you need to take a step to focus on others and to start serving others? If this is an area that 
you believe God's speaking to you with eyes closed, again, just slip up your hand, acknowledging, yeah, many hands all around. And the last question I wanna ask you is, how do you need to be selfless? Do you need to take a posture of humility rather than fighting for what you think you deserve? Some of you may need to apologize to someone for what you've said or how you've expressed your opinions or how you've even interacted with someone or viewed them. If this is an area you need to focus on, again, slip your hand up, right back down. Yeah, you can put that down. You know, there are hands all over the place. And I wanna pray for us. God, I think all of us, if we're honest, need to surrender something in our life. Probably have an area that we need to serve and focus on others more. We need to be selfless. And for all those who acknowledge that, God, I pray. I pray that it won't just be a hand raise, but God, that you'll help them make some decisions to move forward on that. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can look up. Hey, I'm a big believer of leaving with an action step. And so that's what we're gonna do today. I'm gonna give you an action step. I think, as I've already mentioned, that the majority of us probably have an area, surrender, service, or selflessness that we probably need to work on. So I wanna give you a chance actually to write something down in your phone, journal, whatever you brought in here with. I'm gonna give you a few seconds to do this. It could be simple as writing a note to apologize to someone. It could be simple as signing up or serving on a team. It could be changing the way you interact with someone. It could be surrendering, writing down an area that you need to surrender to God. But I'm gonna give you a few seconds to write this down. And so um, we're gonna take some silence. And if you'll just write down an action step maybe that God is laying on your heart tonight that you can write down and then I'm going to come up and give you a couple more instructions. So write that down. What is God challenging to you? Hopefully everyone has something written down and I wanna challenge you to this. I wanna challenge you to tell somebody what you wrote down, send them a text, tell them verbally, send them an email. By the time the Super Bowl starts tomorrow, that's my challenge to you. Because I believe that there's something, there's power in community and there's power also in recognizing and having somebody know a decision you've made. So my challenge to you is by Super Bowl time tomorrow, you tell someone what you wrote down. Now, if you were one of the five that prayed earlier to surrender your life to Christ, we have a gift for you. And when I dismiss in just a minute or two, there are a couple areas up front, over here on the sides, as well on the balcony, there's someone up there 
as well at our guest hub. We have a gift for you. It'll take you just a moment to get that. Encourage you to take that. It'll help you on your new journey. When I dismiss, you can come to those two tables or in the balcony or at the guest hub and just say, hey, I accepted Christ into my life for the first time. I would appreciate if I could get those, that gift to help me. Well, let's celebrate what God's done in our lives, right? God is working in us if we let him. And I pray that we leave here people surrendered, people of service, and a selfless people. Let me pray for us. God, thanks so much for everyone here. God, I pray that we put into practice your winning principles, that we all leave here winners by studying you, the greatest champion of all time. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, invite someone with you next week. Have a great week. Thanks again for joining us on this week's podcast. If you have any questions or would like to speak with a pastor, please connect with us on our website or through social media. You can also find a Northview location to visit in person by going online to northviewchurch.us and then selecting the locations page. We're so glad you joined us today and we hope you have a great week.